Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money show, episode 56. In this show, we review UFC Vegas 11, Covington versus Woodley, and preview UFC 253, Adesanya versus Costa. I am Bob Voss, your favorite garbage bat at MMA State of Mind, here with Real Mike, Mike Copemaver at Don't Cope Just Win, and Mikey Gilman at Mikey Gills. That's Gills with a Z. Also follow the show on Twitter at MMA for Money show. Real Mike, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, I'm doing a little better if there wasn't such a controversy in last weekend's UFC that Mikey and I will sure get into a little bit later. But uh, I just want to say, first off, happy birthday to the mentor and legend MMA for money himself, Prime, the legend, Jay. Uh, I love you a lot, bro. I can't thank you enough for all that you've done. Uh, Also, your father. I love him so much. Uh, Thank you for taking care of him and uh, your mom and everyone back in uh, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, God bless and hope you have a great meal. Mikey Gills, how about you? Oh, what's up, sir? Uh, nothing, just here to talk some DraftKings. I figured Saquon Barkley's out for the year. Uh, betting fantasy sports can't get much worse, so let's go. Well, you know what? <laughs> we are officially on our new format-ish. Three of us breaking down fights for you. This is the first goal. We had a little bit of taste of it, tail end of last show. This is how things will be going forward to break down fights for you. Three, you somewhat unique perspectives, sometimes conflict, sometimes agreement. You'll find out. The MMA4 Money Show is live right now on Twitch, Periscope, and YouTube. If you're watching us live currently, you're watching on one of those platforms. But if you're not watching live, you can listen after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, RSS Feed. We are also on YouTube. If you're watching live on YouTube, we're also on full-length shows. And smaller tidbits throughout the week are there after the fact. So please comment, share, spread the word on the YouTube, and by all means, rate and review the Apple podcast. That does wonders. It raises our stock. It's more people listening. If you enjoy the show, they'll enjoy the show. We're going right into a very quick, quick review of UFC Vegas Covington versus Woodley. We will pause just for a minute going over what our, how our bets did and also how DraftKings did and the main event before we shoot forward to the upcoming pay-per-view. Now, first off, Tyson Nam won with a round two KO, TKO, right cross to ground and pound over Jerome Rivera. Derek Minner busted everybody's parlay with a round one guillotine. Uh, Andre Uhl got a decision win. Um, it was split decision. Uh, Randy Costa completely demolished Journey Newsom in the first round with a head kick followed up by punches. You don't mess with that, Zohan. Sarah Alpar got her wedding pictures straight ruined by Jessica Rose Clark with a round three TKO knees and punches that went two minutes longer than it needed to in a fight that should have stopped, but terrible refereeing. We would go over that, but every other show is going over that, and that's not what you listen to us for. Damon Jackson got a third-round guillotine over Mirsad Bektik, the amazing supernatural athlete that likes to give away fights in the third round. Uh, David Dvorak beat Jordan Espinosa by unanimous decision. Myra Bueno Silva got that quick first round arm bar. Kevin Holland won a decision. That one very much. I was on the opposite side for. I thought Stewart pulled that one out. Uh, Mackenzie Dern threw a terrible 
high kick slipped Brandon Marcos jumped onto her in guard and then eventually Dern got the armbar as she's wont to do next up we will actually we will break this down a little bit we were all talking about this one because this was one of the bets for the card Johnny Walker was a minus 120 favorite versus Ryan Spann plus 105 we had a bet on Ryan Spann which was looking phenomenal early rocked him and knocked him down twice span to Walker that is and then Walker got the first round TKO with elbows and hammer fist about 75% of which were to the back of the head. Um, obviously, we do not feel too good about that. But honestly, I, I want to first throw this to real Mike, mainly because watching this fight played out exactly the way that he texted me it was going to happen and how he broke it down when he hopped in on the show at the end. So we're going to start with real Mike. Real Mike, talk about this fight. I know obviously it was hurt. We lost a unit on this one, but it was more than that. You were 100% right on this fight, and you basically got out of there because of some tomfoolery. Yes, I said Tom Foolery. So Johnny Walker, Ryan Spann, your thoughts? Yeah, man. I mean, that's what's so disappointing is that I pretty much uh, called it to a T. Uh, like I told Mikey, you know, before the fight even happened, I mean, if if the odds were so – if Johnny Walker was so good and it was going to be such a sure thing, then why are the odds so even? Uh, that's because it was more of a coin toss and his chin was suspect, like I called it. I mean, watching him stumble and rumble and fumble all across the ring when he got hit by Spann and then have Spann – be so stupid and still going for takedowns and then, you know, put himself in the position to then be hit illegally in the back of the head. There's there's two different types of illegal hits. There's 12 to 6 elbows that aren't illegal, and then there's just illegal strikes to the back of the head and then deeming the ones that are only behind the ear zone that are then legal. You, you sure as shit cannot go back and tell me that some of those fucking monkey slam fists that came down, that rained down, were not on the back of the head. So fuck off with all that. I, I could take a loss normally when it's a loss, head kick to the head when you're standing, guy gets knocked out, guy gets armbarred. It's very clear as day. This one was just absolute robbery for the show. Because we play with real money, you know, it, it just sucks because if some of you guys bet that, uh, I personally take it personal when I lose you guys uh, some units, and but it's all good. We'll be back, and uh, we'll let Mikey get into it. Yeah, so um, I, I we had Johnny Walker in our DraftKings lineup. So I actually I don't know what either of you guys are talking about. Everything <laughs> landed clean to me. Uh, <laughs> so those uh, those perfectly legal strikes landed us 108 points on DraftKings. I was pretty happy about it. But uh, what I wasn't happy about is I had to clear up the storage from my phone from all of the angry texts that I got from Real Mike. <laughs> uh, after it happened just one after another like what is going on but yeah no it was a little bit of shenanigans but hey i'll take it let's go well that's the great thing honestly about this show even when we even though even when we lose we win because <laughs> if you, <laughs> you would have played our draft kings you would have got some crazy points right there because it's a first round finish and if you would have bet with us well we only lost one unit that night we actually we got screwed a little bit later on in my opinion we'll to get there but um yeah, it's like it's like white men can't jump. Sometimes when you win, you actually lose. You know, something like that. Exactly. That's basically science. Like I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so factual. I'm your boss. So <laughs> next up, uh, Kamzat Chimaev, who we were big on the disrespect in this fight. We definitely thought it was going to happen. A little worried about Mirshard's chin, but hey, whatever. He's the biggest opponent that Chimaev has ever fought. Then Chimaev just basically just walked across, punched him one time, and finished the fight. So we don't need to look back on it too much until we do a little breakdown of uh, the DraftKings, which we'll do at the end. But so I guess he's the real deal or is he because Mearshart is Mearshart. So yes, again, I'm still doubting this phenom who's been hit three times in three fights, but we'll talk about that more later. Donald Cerrone and Nico Price. 
got a draw here. Now, my bet for the card was for Nico Price to get this. And honestly, he looked phenomenal early. He was doing like a ridiculous amount of standing elbows and just causing a tremendous amount of damage on Cowboy Cerrone. But he also liked to just completely stand like this, which after a while is obviously going to find an eye, an orbital, a pupil somewhere. And it found there a couple times and he lost uh, a point there from eye poke and would have won the fight clearly uh if he didn't get that point taken away uh judging by the judge's scorecard well no he, it would have been a split decision because one of the judges had it 29 27 for cerrone somehow but uh that would have gone that way so that's that's a push because we had a bet on that one so let's break even there on this one so but i was impressed with nico price uh cerrone Honestly, didn't look as bad as I thought he would. Uh, he was more competitive than I thought. I wasn't sure he was going to be able to take the type of damage that Price was putting on him. I was actually very impressed he was able to take that kind of damage. But he is, I think about Cerrone, is he is for sure less than he was. But it's not as fallen off a hill as so many guys. I mean, his defense isn't quite as good as it once was. He dips his hands down a little bit too low and he gets shots and takes shots. But he's definitely not as bad as... I thought I thought he was at this point. So I mean, kudos to him. Even though Dana says he's gonna have a conversation with him, but we'll this time go with uh, Mikey Gills first on this one. Mikey Gills, Cerrone versus Price, the draw, the fight, the performances. Just watching it live, I, I counted uh, how long it took Nico Price to gas out. It was 80 seconds on the dot before he <laughs> had it off. And you said I, th- I think you just said one of the judges gave him the first round. That makes sense because if you're total if you're totaling the damage. Nico Price suffered more in that first round. That, that's the <laughs> argument anyway. But uh, no, Nico Price, uh, $8,500 was 75 points. Threw 170, I'm sorry, 150 significant strikes landed. So that even without a win, 75 points is something you'll take. Mm-hmm. Uh, he scored better than other fighters on this card that did win, like David Dvorak with 64. But I mean, we'll get into all that. He landed 50 strikes in about the first minute. And then after that, he just kind of did the zombie walk to him. So, you know, you'll take, could have done better, but whatever. Real Mike. Yeah, I mean, the, the fight was actually really fun to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. if you like defense or stuff like that and, and striking, that was not a fight for you. They were just letting them beat the shit out of each other. They did not care about defense. There was nothing, um, you know, spectacular in, in the striking realm of uh, in that sense. But offensively, it was a lot of fun. Blood-wise and gore, it was fun. Uh, I was stoked to see Cowboy back in a, in a fight that he was competitive in. I really didn't think that he was going to be able to withstand the 80-second storm that Mikey Gills counted back there. But uh, he was right. He literally gassed himself so fast going for a kill. Um, He probably thought that he was going to damage um, Cowboy just like we did and finish him a little bit faster. And and when it didn't happen, he he realized he was still in there with an OG. So it was just nice to see Cowboy somewhat competitive. Uh, The fight being a draw, because of the eye poke, uh, that's what I called it uh, to my buddy next to me. But it, it... should have been price. So obviously the overall, we'll, we'll talk about the main event, but the overall betting recap on that is minus one unit with that draw and the loss earlier on the card. So minus one unit, but that's okay. We've been on a bit of a streak now. So at some point you got to get a little bit closer to even sometimes, but uh, I'm going to jump to real Mike first. Cause I don't have much to say about the main event. Colby Covington won against Herman Woodley in pretty much one way traffic and eventually getting a TKO rib injury round five. I mean, we pretty much, all said how this was going to go for the most part. Tyrone's very inactive at this point, and Covington is all forward action and likes to pin people up against Cage. And he did just that for the majority of five rounds. So, real Mike, Covington's performance versus Tyrone Worley. 
Uh, Covington's performance was actually, he's amazing, man. I, I can't, you can love him or hate him, you know, for whatever you want, but he's a really, really good fighter. Defensively, when now we're going to talk about some defense, it was such a polar opposite of the uh, the Cerrone versus Price fight. Uh, when they stepped in there, you know, uh, Colby's number one goal was to not be damaged. You could see that, that that was his entire game plan. He did a great job avoiding T. Wood's uh, very limited volume number of strikes. We called it last week on the show that T. Wood would just, he would be just dormant. He's like an old volcano that, you know, once, you know, it was told about great stories that it used to erupt. And then it's really just a soft little subtle thing that it gives off, you know, little hot springs on the side of it. And people camp next to the place now. So T. Wood should retire. He's, he's just an old volcano dormant and stale as ever. Mikey Gills, I want you to go right into this main event. And then after you talk about the main event, you can go right into reviewing how the DraftKings lineup, as much as it changes, because as we've always yeah. said, big <laughs> asterisk on those with all the cancellations and stuff. It's a fluid card. So <laughs> main uh, event, really? and now DraftKings did. Yeah, I mean, just to top off whatever you guys were saying about the main event right there, was uh, this was the textbook definition of dragging someone into deep waters and drowning them. Uh, not, not the highest volume output in the first couple of rounds, but it was increasing. But then in the fourth round, Colby turns it on, lands 113 strikes to Tyron Woodley's two. And, you know, I know the fight didn't end until the next round, but really it ended right there. Uh, with that round, you could see once Tyron Woodley was covered in blood and bleeding, he, his, his will was completely gone. But, uh, you know, getting right into DraftKings, we actually would have had a really great card this week if it wasn't for TJ Laramie just uh, finding a way to lose this fight. because Idiot, TJ. He was our Idiot. most expensive play on this card. He was $9,200. He was our lock. Like You put that into your lineup, that's your sure thing. You, you file it away. Mm-hmm. You don't even worry about it. His only way that he was going to lose this fight was to go right up to Minner and put his head into a guillotine, and he did it. That, he, he went right and did it. So we got round one. Round one. Zero points. Zero. Do you know, you know how frustrating that is on DraftKings? Every time that you reload a page and you go to look at it and it says zero, and you're like, oh, right, cool, I still have five fighters left. But you don't have five fighters. Yeah, so that anyway, that was that's that's my TJ Laramie. Sorry for the night. Don't want to talk about him again. Um, Mackenzie Dern, uh, we had a little talk last week about like how good was her striking. Well, apparently it's so good that not only can it miss by three feet, it can take your opponent down with it in the process. Mackenzie yeah. Dern's amazing. Um, going right on, David Dvorak. I wish he would have scored a little bit more. He had 13 finishes out of his last 14 fights. I was really, really hoping that he could get a finish in this one. He didn't. Kind of a lesser striking affair, 64 points total. Wanted a little bit more out of that one, can't lie. We already talked about Nico Price's uh, 150 significant strikes. Really saved him from not getting the decision. 75 points for $8,500. Not the worst thing, but also, again, not the best. Johnny Walker, my boy, clean as a whistle. <laughs> Nothing else to talk about. And then uh, going right into uh, our Tyron Woodley pick, which I had a couple of people asking me about this, you know, 22 points to over, over four and a half rounds. Uh, he was a punt pick. I didn't expect him to win, but when it comes to different strategies on picking DraftKings cards, you either want to get a couple of, a couple of lower price guys that you really believe in, or you get five guys that you're sure will win. And then you get like the cheapest guy on the card. And this one, it was Tyron Woodley. And I don't put guys together like that. I don't like to stack. And so for certain cards, I, I had Colby Covington top cards, and certain ones I had the TJ Laramie top cards. The Covington cards obviously ended up doing a lot better, but not for this one. We went three of six on the night for 371 and a half points. Um, the worst card we've had since I've been on the show. I personally feel a little bit robbed because it should have been something in the area of about 480 with a TJ Laramie win. But Derek Minner is the devil, and I never want to speak of him again. 
Well, absolute worst, even if he ended up losing a decision, but it went for three rounds, he could have scored you at least 30 to 50 points just on basic striking, even if in a losing affair. And that would put, yeah, about 420, which puts us right at about our average. So, but no, he, he, he dove right into. Sorry, I still can't believe that, dude. Derek, like, I, I appreciate we talk so much smack about Derek Minner because I, I, he is the ultimate fluke for being in the UFC, in my opinion. But he's there. So I don't, we're going to talk about more fun stuff, which is a pay-per-view coming up. Yes, we have finally have another pay-per-view. And although most of it is we're back to Abu Dhabi, so not quite Fight Island because it's a pay-per-view, but basically Fight Island. So there should be no cancellations, wink, wink, um, on anyone testing positive, wink, wink, until way after. So we're good because <laughs> Fight Island doesn't test positive. If you can't, if you're not watching the video, I'm trying to wink. I'm terrible at it. So it also looks like I'm probably getting smacked in the back of the head, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to go right into 253 Adesanya versus Costa, starting with the very first fight on the card. Cadiz Abrakimov, minus 160 for Danilo Marquez, plus 140. I'm going to throw this one off pretty early, mainly from the fact that I have deep-seated issues against Ibrahimov with how he fought against Ed Herman and just his overall everything. So I desperately want to find ways to pick Marquez at the plus 140, but I can't quite justify it yet for a lot of reasons. But the, there's a couple fighters, actually at least two on this card, that I know I'm going to downplay quite a bit, and Ibrahimov is one of them. So do not listen to my opinion on this fight, and I'm going to jump right to real Mike for Ibrahimov versus Marquez. Mike, how you feeling? Who you liking? At very least, give quick picks. Otherwise... A small uh, breakdown. <laughs> with, this over, with this over the Middle East, and the, I think the judging might have a play in it, I, I came off. Yeah, uh, going right into it, uh, I, I really wanted to talk about Demilo Marquez for a second. Just, um, Mike, you might appreciate, I'm sorry, Bob, you might appreciate this just from your, you're from Chicago. Yep. You ever seen Wayne's World 2, the gas station attendant scene, where he's like, come on, can we do a little bit better than this? Like, that's kind of yeah. how I feel about this fight, with, uh, Marquez. <laughs> Seriously. He's nine and two, making his UFC debut. He's three and two in his last five. He hasn't fought since February of 2018. Uh, and the nine and two record is the is the most fraudulent thing I've ever seen. I'm going to read you a couple of quick records of his last five opponents in order. So, like I said, in order, five, five, and one. He won that by decision. I'm not kidding about this next one. O oh, and 21. He won that one by armbar. That was his opponent's record. How was that sanctioned? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But O oh, and 21. Uh, 14 and seven, he lost by a decision. So if you, have, if, if you have somewhat of a good record, you're going to lose six and 14, he won that one. And then a seven and seven, he lost by first round KO. This guy's horrible. I'm going to pick Ibrahimov. Uh, he may right. not be that great, but he's not altogether awful either. And apparently against that guy, against this guy, that's enough. So. See, remember when they're talking about, oh, all these fighters want to fight, whereas we keep throwing in all these warm bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Move, moving on. Um, Jeff Hughes, who I actually was a little bit impressed with. I liked his boxing, other than the fact that he doesn't have a lot of power, which at heavyweight, it's a bit rough. Um, Juan, uh, he's plus 240 versus uh, Juan Espino, minus 280. Juan Espino is basically everything better than Jeff Hughes is. He has faced similar guys and finished them with extreme prejudice, whereas Jeff Hughes goes to incredibly close squeaking by decisions, some split decision wins, some losses. So I'm going with Espino. I just think he's the better 
faster version of Hughes. Obviously, minus 280 can't do much with that, but my pick there is Espino. Mikey Gills, jump in on Hughes versus Espino. Uh, well, Jeff Hughes, 10 and 3, uh, 4 KO, one sub, 6 2, 77 inch reach. He's on a two fight losing streak with a no contest against Todd Duffy in the middle. He hasn't won a fight since July of 2018 after that kind of what I consider an impressive showing on the Dana White contender series fight. Uh, really patient on the fighter, doesn't throw a ton of volume, wings, hooks. Uh, he's a training partner of Stipe, which might explain why he's in here, that and the, the need for fighters. Uh, facing Juan Espino, 9-1, 6'4", 80-inch reach. Uh, Espino, grappling wizard. He's won nine straight since he came back in 2017. He had a really long break in his career, uh, 2011 to 2.17. Um, he's uh, the world grappling champion. I'm, I, I'm, I have a couple of questions about that because I know what an NCAA champion is or a jiu-jitsu champion. The world grappling, I'm not exactly sure what the umbrella is for that, but um, you know, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, preventing him from fighting for a while. Uh, Espino at 9,100. He's my pick. I think he wins this fight pretty easily. Submission. Uh, Jeff Hughes doesn't do anything particularly well, and he seems kind of like the perfect opponent to get a tough winner or a win. Real Mike. Yeah, and I agree completely with Mikey. I think Espino is just going to absolutely just dominate uh, Hughes. Uh, Hughes is, is to me, uh, something that uh, Bob picks up on the, in the morning on his route every day. Uh, just complete <laughs> trash. And uh, he's going to get just destroyed by Espino, in my opinion. Next up, William Nightmare Knight. I'm sorry, I got to take a little minute there. I got to give a little touche on that nickname because it's spelled Nightmare, like his last name, Knight. So just a little touche. I appreciate that because there's so many bad and just utterly awful nicknames in MMA. I'm going to give him this one. So, so the nightmare, the nightmare, I'm done. Uh, plus like 140 it. versus uh, Alexa Coomer, minus 160. Quick look at Coomer. I don't know much about him. Full disclosure, but uh, I know he's a finisher. I've seen William Knight fight. He is a brutal finisher who will go for the kill. I like him at underdog money, uh, but another one of the situations i don't know his opponent well enough to want to put money on him and at least from what i've seen from knight i think he's got a shot and maybe if that price goes up i might have changed so i'll look more into coomer but at least of what i've seen he doesn't look that fantastic and knight is fairly brutal so real mike nightmare versus kamur yeah, man, I'm I'm a nightmare fan on this one. Uh, close to being a bet for me if I didn't already pick one. Uh, still might be uh, personally off of uh, the show's picks. Uh, I think that Knight is just gonna. He's just he's brutal, man. I mean, the way that he finishes people, the way that he uh, sends energy forth uh, from the darkness to destroy his, uh, you know, the people he's fighting. He's just uh, he's a monster, and I, I really like Knight here. I think that the the dog money is a gift. And I'll let Mikey uh, get a little elaborate a little bit more, but I know Mikey's right along with me. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, starting off with Alexa Kamer, he's six and zero with five knockouts, six one seventy five inch reach, going off for eighty six hundred dollars on DraftKings. He's one and zero since coming to the UFC on Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, when you watch his fights, he's he's more of a technical striker than Knight is. Uh, but my problem with him, especially in this fight is he likes to get in close and do kind of crazy wild stuff. Like, you'll see him in his fight tapes. I've, I've seen it in several fights of his. He'll even throw, like, high kicks from very close to people just to kind of mix it up and keep his opponents off guard. Really likes to hang out in the pockets just a little bit too long. You're going to have a problem with that, because on the other side, we've got William Knight, 8-1, 7 knockouts, 5-10, 73-inch reach. Just an absolute murderous power puncher this guy um he's won two fights in a row his last fight was on the dana white contender series just a month ago so he's fresh he's ready to roll you know he's not a he's not you know probably cutting too much weight compared you know 
some what I meant to say by that was he just cut it a month ago. He's probably still in that area. But a guy like this, he's got five first-round finishes. But the thing that I like about him is he also has two third-round knockouts. So this is a guy that keeps that power late. Um, you know, think of other UFC fighters like a, like a Derek Lewis, like somebody that even if it's not going great for you, like on the Dana White Contender Series fight, he still can draw on that power. So William Knight for me at 7,600. I think he's going to win this fight by knockout. I think he gets it in the first or second round. Should be good points. 7,600. Let's go. And obviously keep an eye out on the separate Twitter handles. This is where you have to follow all of us because obviously this won't be an official pick and or bet for the show. But if you keep an eye on us on Twitter, some of those get posted out. I know for sure uh, my final bets get posted out at earliest on Friday at latest Saturday morning um, with all of the ones from the show and any additional ones that I like. I don't always add more, but this is one of the ones that's flirting with the line on uh, one that I might go with especially if it stays intact and the odds stay where they are or actually get better uh next up shane young minus 130 verse bear with me luo duvit klein plus 130 i'm going to consider that i nailed that killed it i don't know very many slovakian names or how to pronounce them but i'm gonna call him klein from here on out uh plus 110 shane young i've been very impressed with in the ufc this will be the first City kickboxing guy fighting on this card. There's several, so he's just going to be the first one. So going into this, uh, I've heard Adesanya interviewed, and they've basically self-quarantined with all of the guys competing and a few training partners and just had, had kind of like a micro camp training up until this. That's also why there has been as many interviews, and Shane Young has been part of that. Uh, I think his striking is all around better obviously klein has uh is a boxer and has fairly crisp boxing uh i like the all-around game more of shane young and i think he has more tools to work with obviously this is a fairly closely lined fight um but and i do see him getting a decision i don't think it's gonna be a finish but i like young here by decision now i'm gonna go with see I, this is the thing i'm trying my best to go every other but too much stuff is going on that I'm, I'm I'm starting to mislabel who I went with next. So I'm gonna go with Real Mike first, cause roll the dice. Cause my notes yeah. are up right about there, so I see bottom corner. So I'm gonna go with the bottom corner, my bottom corner, right about there. Real Mike. Yeah, this this is gonna be a, a good fight, man. Uh, Shane Young, he's super aggressive, uh, really really good striker, really well rounded. Uh, Luvik Klein, I, I like him too, man. I like his his boxing. He's really sharp, and his defense is crisp. And I, I'm just a big fan of that. But that in MMA doesn't always work out because uh, Boston Salmon can tell you that boxing and MMA don't mix. You get that ass beat real fast. So uh, I, I don't really know 100% on this one. Um, I think the line is a little baity towards Shane uh, Young. And so I, I, if I had to pick gun to my head, I like Klein. Uh, like yeah. Gills. Uh, just moving in, let's start off with uh, Shane Young. 13-4, six knockouts, four subs. This guy's a finisher, man. Uh, came into the UFC under the kind of harsh circumstances. Had to fight Alexander Volkanovsky on his debut. You know, that's a, that's a tough out. But uh, he's won two straight since then. Not against the greatest competition. He beat Austin Arnett, but in the UFC, who hasn't? I beat Roland Dye, who's 12-9. and nine, So, eh. You know, I, Shane Young, he, he looks all right. He's not the most impressive to me. You know, he loves the bang. He's a very hittable guy. Um, the one thing that I really don't like about him coming into this fight, he hasn't fought since February of uh, 2019. So that's yeah, that's a bit of a rough. layoff. Going going against the guy only like only a year uh, and a half. It's only a year and a half. Look, I, I'm just saying. I'm just. <laughs> but now he's uh, he's going against uh, Ludovic Klein. Does, is that pronunciation work? Ludovic, Ludovic. Sure. 
All right, sure. Anyway, 16 and two, seven knockouts, eight subs. Both of these guys are finishers. Uh, there's no price on DraftKings uh, for this fight yet, so uh, we'll get into that at the end. But this guy, he's won seven in a row, all by stoppage. A very aggressive style. Um, likes to use his, his boxing to set up his kicks uh, really well. If you go on this guy's highlight reel, watch a couple of his fights. This dude just has just the worst, craziest head kick knockouts that you're going to see. Um, he's a lot more active than Young is. He's had three fights since Young's last one. And it's not like this is some washed up, like, Eastern European guy that they're getting, that they're just throwing in at the last second. This is a 25-year-old legit prospect, 16-2. and two. Uh, just based on everything that I've seen, Klein should be a popular play on DraftKings with his knockout ability. His price isn't up yet, but if he's at a good dog value, it's going to be hard to say no to. This fight really is a short notice versus ring rust issue. So I'm going to take the super aggressive striker who fights a lot. Shane Young can get hit, and I think he's going to in this one. Lutative Klein, let's go. Amen. <laughs> Next up, there's a little thing we've been talking about recently. Disrespect. No, I'm kidding. This is not going to be... <laughs> <laughs> a bet here but we I, I can make an argument and I'm, I'm gonna make my argument um diego sanchez is a plus 525 biggest underdog on the card underdog versus jake matthews minus 750 jake matthews is like the one-time phenom we all thought this kid was going to be the next thing at lightweight and then eventually at welterweight he had a few hiccups the people that he shouldn't lose to he's better than them but has lost them i don't know i guess maybe not kevin lee i think kevin lee's probably still better than him but um this is i i said even before we recorded the show i said to the guys this this fight itself is prime for a diego sanchez being beat to the point that his face is falling off and then getting a third round guillotine victory over jake matthews it's Jake Matthews can has a tendency to throw sl- throw in sloppy takedowns where he leaves his neck. He's been finished that way in the past. I'm not saying, hey, let's all bet Diego Sanchez at plus 525. No, I'm not. I'm really not. Um, one thing I am saying is that Diego Sanchez inside the distance is plus 1365, which is a huge number. Um, something that I might throw a little pocket change at just to make this fight interesting because these odds obviously are not very interesting outside of that. Um, Matthews should win. He's younger, faster, stronger, bigger, longer, more handsome. Like he, he basically has every single category in this fight. I mean, except experience, but at some point when you have enough experience, it just turns into damage. So, I mean, I guess unless Diego Sanchez comes out as um, the nightmare, as opposed to the dream or the lion heart or whatever nickname he's rocking this week. And if his random trainer, that has him do like extreme acrobatic yoga with him in his back room, then maybe. But as of right now, no. And I know that's a long-winded way for such a big underdog. But like I said, those those odds on the finish might be something I toy around with. But in general, Matthews should smash. So Mikey Gills, Jake Matthews, Diego Sanchez. <laughs> It's kind of like, have you ever seen that movie Rounders with Matt Damon where he's playing the judges game and it, he, it doesn't even matter what cards he has. He just can see the opponent and he knows he's going to win so he can do it anyway. That's kind of how this fight is. Jake Matthews <laughs> is Matt Damon. Um, he's he's going to beat Diego Sanchez. He kind of looks like Matt Damon too, a young Matt Damon. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll get Ben Affleck in the crowd. We'll get some star power here. 
But, uh, you know, Jake Matthews, 16-4, and four, four knockouts, seven subs, five and one since 2016. Uh, had a loss to Anthony Rocco Martin in the middle of that. But, I mean, he was looking good in that fight. He knocked Anthony Rocco Martin down. Uh, since then, you know, he's won two straight. Last fought in February, beating Emil Mech. Uh, for me, Matthews is a no-brainer in this fight. But the problem is, on DraftKings, he's costing $9,400. And I think at $9,400, yeah, he's probably going to win the fight. But at that, you could probably get the same point value for hundreds less with, like, an Espino or Rydell or, you know, uh, Espino or Rydell. You know, Sanchez, nothing more than a punt play. I mean, what you were just talking about inside the distance, something like that. But on DraftKings, I would leave Sanchez alone. Uh, Matthews, if you can afford him and you like something, if you don't like uh, the other expensive options, go for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Diego Sanchez, man, he can't keep getting away and getting lucky uh, as much as he has. Uh, This is the time. uh, No way. There's no fucking way. No fucking way that Jake Matthews is losing to Diego Sanchez. There's just no fucking goddamn way. This is one of those... Now I have yeah. to bet the other this side. Is one of those, <laughs> You're tempting yeah. it. This is one of those parlay busters, though, that comes along, dude, and people just cannot fucking believe that could, this could actually really happen. I don't believe it. I really don't believe it. I, it's like lightning striking. It's like you getting lucky with a 10 at the bar. It's not happening for you, kid. You're just not good looking enough. It's not happening for Diego Sanchez. He is going to get his ass completely beat. Jake Matthews, bigger, stronger, younger, faster, going to push him up against the cage, beat the fuck out of his body, drop him to the floor, and just finish him, dude. He's going to be just withered and weathered and just beat down like like, uh, just a pulp. There's no way Diego the Nightmare Sanchez ever finishes this fight unconscious. No way. Let me put a scenario out there for you because I 100% agree, 100%. Jake Matthews comes right at Diego. Well, Diego just tries to come against Jake Matthews. It's not going to happen. He's just not big enough to, and assuming enough, Jake Matthews lands a few counters, gets him backing up against the cage because this is past when Diego can constantly move forward. He's not physically prime enough to be able to do that backs against the cage. Jake Matthews shoots in, takes him out, and ju- I'm just talking like beats the ever love and everything out of him. Like I'm talking, it's a 10-8. Like you're like, ref, why won't you stop it? It's like go- that uh, that Alpar fight. Just like, why won't you stop it? This is awful. It's like he's bleeding everywhere. This is so awful. And this is also not the first time that Jake Matthews has done this where after the first round, man, dude, he's so tired. It's so tired. Uh-huh. And Abu Dhabi <laughs> is so hot. It's so hot. It's <laughs> No, I'm just messing around. Like, obviously, Jake Matthews should absolutely kill, but I don't know. This is, seems like one of those ones that you tempt fate a little bit too much with Diego Sanchez, and he's not going to quit fighting MMA until he's on a stretcher and has like seven fights that he's lost in a row, and then he's going to fight in bare knuckle and fight another 10, and then he's going to end up on your regional scene at like 50 and 50 and just fighting bums. So, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen to Diego Sanchez, but it looks like it's going that way. But hey, he's got Stefan Bonner in the corner, and they. Did psychedelics and saw UFOs together. So that's a party. And if you haven't seen that article, by all means, check it out. I'm sure it all stems from a James Lynch interview that has become a bunch of random articles. But apparently that happened between those two. So conspiracies abound. Next up, Brad Riddell is minus 330 versus Alex Da Silva plus 270. I had talked to the guys earlier before all of this that I was, this is one of the few, few times that I'm like, man, I'm just going to look into these fights. Before I see the odds, I'm going to look into these fights before I see the odds. So I'm, I'm completely unbiased. That way, if I get a good underdog or something like that, I'm all in. Because that's usually my issue sometimes. I'm like, oh, this guy should win. But he's a huge underdog. I shouldn't go with that. 
I love Brad Riddell here. I'm like, this is going to be so great. Okay, this is going to be maybe close to an even fight. I was way off. They already have it at minus 330. He is minus 330 versus De Silva's plus 270. That's about right. I thought I was going to get a sneak in here. I'm like, this is where I lined a map. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to I'm gonna beat the odds, beat the bookie here. Way off, way off. So this is the second of the city kickboxing guys fighting. Um, I like Brad Riddell here uh, a lot. Uh, he's become... One of my newer favorite fighters. Uh, I think he's got a shot to do, I would say big things, but I don't necessarily see him as championship level or anything like that. But he, he is a, he's a serviceable fighter that I think can get a clear win here against Alex De Silva. So real Mike, Brad Riddell, Alex De Silva. Yeah, man, uh, Brad Riddell, I mean, I, I can't say enough about his striking and uh, just, like once again, defense and offensively, he's just super sound. Uh, I, I really like him a lot. I wish the number wasn't so high on him, but I, obviously the odds makers see uh, kind of the same thing that we see in him. Uh, I think that he should roll here. He he could definitely be a parlay piece if you wanted to get crazy this card and uh, add Mr. Jake Matthews in there and then add a few others. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that Riddell is the real deal. I think he's a great example of a martial artist. And I just uh, hope that he rolls here. Uh, yeah, Brad Riddell, uh, eight and one, five knockouts, five seven, seventy one inch reach. Uh, he's won five in a row, two in the UFC. Last beaten Magomed Mustafaev, who was no kind of scrub. Like you guys said, he's rock solid on the feet. Has really good takedown defense. Uh, going up against Alex Da Silva, twenty one and two, thirteen knockouts, seven subs, five ten, seventy three inch reach. Three and two in his last five. He's coming off of a win, but he hasn't fought in a year. Uh, more experience, but a lot of that, when you checked out his record, it seems like a lot of that was fluff fighting down in Brazil. Like he was a younger guy fighting a lot. You never really know exactly what you're getting in that. Um, uh, Brad Riddell going off for 9,200 on DraftKings, which I actually think is a really good play for him uh, against Alex Da Silva. Like a guy who's going to come at him and he's going to be, you know, pretty aggressive moving towards him. I think Brad Riddell can work him over. And at $9,200, he's one of the best plays up at the higher end. He averages 85 points on DraftKings over the two, last two fights, but. In this particular fight, you figure if he can get a lot of striking in with a lot of uh, with a knockout or a finish something late, and you could be looking at a guy that could get you 110, 120 points, something like that. So for me, Brad Riddell rolls here, better striker. I think he's going to be a good play. So next up, we have Kakim Dawadu, Dawadu, I've heard it pronounced either way, plus 100 versus Zabira Tukagov, minus 120 of issue with Conor McGregor fame. <laughs> um, Hakeem Dawadu. going to go with Hakeem from now on. Just going to go with Hakeem. <laughs> um, he is overvalued, not just here, but in, in my opinion as a fighter. He had a mini viral moment when he was in the WSOF when he did a Hayuken, and it's become a thing. And I don't think he's panned out after that. Uh, he got a lot of attention because of that and then got some wins. But also losses, losses, UFC debut early by Dan Henry, Dan Henry, sorry, Danny Henry. Yes, Danny Henry. And as also has a win over Austin Arnett. But as Mikey Gills said earlier in the show, went over Ar Austin Arnett, who doesn't have one over Austin Arnett. And he has enough split decisions in there that he could be a 500 fighter in the UFC versus not the best of names. Whereas on the other side, I have been nothing but impressed with Zubaira Tukagov. I mean, obviously he had a long time off dealing with the suspension with the whole Khabib's crew and Connor's crew having issue and stuff like that. So he didn't fight for a while until that all finally got figured out. And then he came in like a hurricane and finished opponent, his opponent in the first round. Uh, been nothing but impressed with him. Um, 
And I'm going to go with Mikey Gills for more info on that. There's more information on this one, but I want to give the real Mike a chance to break it down before we get to that point. So first we're going to go to Mikey Gills talking about Hakeem. I'm going to go with the first name. And uh, Zabira. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right with you guys. I think that uh, Tukagov is going to win this fight. Uh, he's, you know, one of the guys who jumped Connor, which I think he was actually one of the guy who got punched by Connor in that process, though. So <laughs> has to work on his defense if he's going to fight Akib. You know, it's just throwing that one out there. But, you know, Akeem Duwadu, 11-1, seven knockouts. as a finisher with a 72-inch reach going off for 8,000 on DraftKings. He's won his last four straight, 4-1 four overall in the UFC. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's going to try to do the same thing every fight. He's going to go out there, try to keep it standing and slug. Um, Chikagov, a teammate at Khabib, but he also likes to stand. He likes to get out there and mix it up. 4-1-1 one and one in the UFC. Uh, 50% takedown accuracy. So if he needs it, he can have it in his back pocket. Uh, but I don't know. For me, Chikagov, I, I think you guys have a much stronger feeling on this one. And I think if you guys want to go for it, go for it. For $8,200, though, I think Chikagov's going to find his way in our lineup. Yeah, man, uh, on this fight, uh, Mr. Dudu versus uh, Tukov, uh, I just don't think that uh, he's caliber, UFC caliber, or, uh, you know, so, uh, Middle Eastern caliber fighter that is, they put there to to highlight. I think that uh, Tukov is a master, com- a, a master combat of Sambo. He uh, is super good cardio. He's definitely not scared, like you you mentioned, when he was uh, trying to get uh, hands on uh, Connor and them. I like that type of dude uh, that would jump the gate and uh, for me and have my back so fast. It, it takes a true uh, type of animal to do something of that sort. I think that uh, Mr. Dudu is going to get taken down, uh, rinse, uh, cycle, and repeat it, and t- uh, just be. It should be an easy decision win if if my dude can uh, strangle him to death or uh, beat him in a submission. So we're going to be doubling up a bet on Mr. Tukov on this one. And what are the odds at Bob? Currently minus one twenty. So at the gift of the current odds of minus one twenty, we're going to be putting two point four units on Tukov to finish Mr. Dudu and put him down the drain. And that, I've seconded on all that, and obviously a lot of the ones that me and uh, Real Mike have a strong feeling on, especially if we're both on that one, then we tend to double up to count as, well, it's still a singular bet, but we would both have bet him independently. Like he brought up to me this was going to be his bet, and I was just like, yes, this is exactly what I was thinking. So those are the situations where that happens. Um, next up, Sajari Eubanks is trying to have the fastest turnaround of her career, as far as I could tell. Uh, Ketlin Vera is minus 170 versus Sajari Eubanks, plus 150. Obviously, Eubanks was one of the biggest underdogs on the card that she fought just a few weeks ago and was able to pull it off, and she's trying to get two paychecks in a month. Um, I don't think it's happening here. I think that these odds are more indicative of the fact that she was able to pull off the upset than her general skill. I think Vera is much better than her. Um, Obviously, this is... Kind of a rough situation uh, for Vieira. Um, she's coming off that loss to Aldana. I mean, although one thing I do appreciate is she's had a good amount of time off um, from getting finished in in that first round there. Um, about uh, 10 months now, which is closer to the year. I mean, she was supposed to have some uh, fights that got canceled, which is good for her. Getting finished like that, especially your first finish to take that time off to let the brain heal. Um, she's beaten plenty of better fighters than Eubanks, people that are better at Eubanks' game than Eubanks. And now she's fighting Eubanks. So I think this is uh, a lesser version of even 2017 McMahon, Sarah McMahon. So I think that uh, Vera should go to a decision, get a decision here, a clear decision as 
not all women fights tend to be. They're at 35. I don't necessarily see I don't see a finish, but I like Fiera here. But wouldn't bet because I I said earlier on the card that there's fighters that I perpetually downplay. Ibrahimov uh, is one of them, and also Sajari Eubanks is one of them. I believe I talked about that on the last fight card that she was on on how much I do that. So my pick is Vera, but nothing else stronger than that. So real Mike, Vera, Vera versus Eubanks. Yeah, I mean, th- this one's going to be a, a real hard one for uh, Sarge, in my opinion. I think that Caitlin Vera is pretty much a very similar fighter uh, to Sarge. Uh, uh, Sarge uses her size and her strength usually to kind of bully around the, the smaller opponent. But this time, Caitlin Vieira is going to be taller and about the same size and thickness. And so I don't. I think she's going to have a major, major resistance and end up having major problems versus Caitlin Vieira. I think it's uh, an absolute gift for her to fight Sarge uh, uh, after an Aldana because I, I've been high on Aldana since the beginning. I've always talked about how great her boxing is and her defense as well as a, a lady. And uh, so it's, it was no surprise that Caitlin Vera got caught by such a great striker. Uh, it can happen, and you learn a lesson. But Sarge is not that great of a striker. She's got about a 80-second gas, kind of like Nico Price did last week. And I just don't think that uh, she's going to have what uh, it takes to beat Vera. So I think Vera uh, wins this pretty easily. Uh, just kind of dovetailing off something that you guys just said a second ago. Uh, you were talking about the height advantage. She's got four inches on her and already a naturally better striker. Uh, the inactivity, like Bob was talking about, it's not just uh, the the inactivity on Vieira's side that bothers me a little bit. It's She got knocked out last December, but before that, it had been since March 2018, uh, before her last fight with Kat Singano. But that's really kind of where my, worries, my worry ends. With her. I, I said the wrong thing first. The height advantage is a good one. Much better striker from the outside, going up against Sajara Eubanks. Uh, really, the only thing that I can come up with for Sajara is that momentum is a real thing in sports. Uh, I certainly think she's going to lose this fight. She doesn't really have a path to victory that I can see. Um, and she's got a, another serious issue that I see is trying to cut weight two times for her in, you know, what, what was her last one? It was two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Was, yeah. So a girl like her who's had like weight, weight cutting issues in the past, trying to cut it twice in one week. Man, I'm not, I don't know about that. That's just another, another little like drop in the bucket of why I'm not going to pick her. I think Vieira, $8,800 on DraftKings. I think you can, I think you can spend that money better. Cause like you guys said, I don't really see a finish in this one either. I see it being a three round point fest. Um, I maybe Sajara Eubanks tries to take her down, but I mean, like you mentioned with, uh, with uh, McMahon, like, uh, Vieira took her down and submitted her. And I, I just don't see where, Eubanks has any path to victory in this fight. So for me, it's Vieira at 8,800. Uh, Eubanks, not one of my favorite dog plays, really not one of them at all. So kind of a stay away from me. So yeah, Vieira at 8,800. Next up, we have a much more interesting fight. This is probably the, well, actually, it kind of lines up uh, pretty great given it like the top three fights I'm most excited for. Kayakara France minus 235 versus Brennan uh, Royville plus 195. I've been Utterly impressed with Kai Kara France. I mean, other than when he fought Moreno. I mean, he, he fought well against Moreno, but we were, uh, this is before Mike Gills was on the show, but me and Real Mike, we were really high on Moreno um, going into all of that, especially with how well he looked against uh, Askar Askarov. And just was very impressed by Kai Kara France, both in that fight and beyond. Um, I really like him here. Um, one of the things about 
Brandon Royville. Uh, these odds are indicative of his win over Tim Elliott. And trying not, I'm trying to turn a new leaf and not completely dump on fighters. But, and Tim Elliott used to be my guy at 125. I thought he was the dark horse to do well, especially if a DJ was ever out of flyweight. And he has just, I mean, he's always put himself in dangerous positions to get subbed, but he's always been able to fight out of them. That's happening less and less. He just likes to throw himself in dangerous situations to f- eventually advance position. That's not happening anymore. And Brandon Royval caught him. He was a big underdog and he did well. And I think these odds are showing that maybe he can do it again, plus 185. Because if that fight didn't happen, he would be a plus 400 here easy. I think Kaikara France is just going to do unspeakable things to this man over the course of three rounds. I really like Kara uh, France here. Sorry, there's the hyphen, so that's the full last name there. But again, this was one of the ones that I saw going into this. I'm like, man, everyone's going to like Brendan Royval. I'm going to get Kaikara France. Like, this is like minus 150. This is going to be awesome. And way off apparently i'm really bad at guessing openers and this is an example of that so pick is kai cara france mikey gills talk to me about these flyweights all right i'll start off with kai cara france 21 and 8 10 knockouts three submissions uh five four 66 and a half inch reach coming off that win over tyson nam he's four and one since coming to the ufc uh in this fight he definitely has the striking advantage uh definitely does not have the grappling advantage he's only a blue belt uh He's got two submission losses in his career, but none of them since 2014. Um, it was decision two fights ago by Brandon Moreno. That was like an absolute war, though. It was so fun. Uh, going up against Brandon Royville, 11-4, and four, uh, three knockouts, seven subs. Former LFA champ, he's won three straight, including the one that over Tim Elliott that you were just talking about. Uh, all, three of those last, all three of those were by submission. His only loss in his last seven fights was a late-notice replacement fight. He went against Casey Kennedy. Uh, the one thing that I like about Royville in this fight, I was listening to an interview with him, he is training now for the first time ever since he got that bonus money, training for the first time as a full-time fighter down at Factory X. So I'm, I'm excited to see like, if, he has, if he's going to make any kind of leaps now that he's not like, I don't know, slinging pizzas or you know, whatever else he was doing on the side. But uh, you know, this guy's a true finisher, man. All but one of his wins have come uh, by finish. Uh, you know, he's not afraid. When he's, you see him mix up in striking, he throws a lot of wild stuff. And he sort of uses that. Like You see a lot of it in uh, LFA. He would use his wild striking to try to draw people in to get it to the ground. And once once he's on there, he will snatch up anything in a heartbeat. I'm picking Kai Kara France in this fight at uh, 8,900 on DraftKings. Uh, but Royville, man, he's one of my favorite dogs just because if he does get a hold of anything out there, he's gonna try to pull. He's gonna try to pull a submission for it. And I've seen Kai Kara France tire out late in fights before, and if he does that, he could be in trouble. So you know, Royal Royville fighter on the rise. I like his chances for 7,300. You could do a lot worse on this card. And I think at the very least, he could take this to a decision and maybe get a couple of uh, grappling points. Yeah, uh, this one is going to be it's going to be a great fight. I, I, I like Royville's submissions game. I like his scrambles and the ability on the ground. I like Kaikara's uh, smart defense and his striking ability uh, standing. He's a great point fighter. Um, if Royville had a little bit better striking that was more sound uh i I would i would pick him to win i i can't other than i would maybe put down some money on a sub prop for royville uh just to have some shits and giggles but i I think that uh most likely kai car france uh he's got a little bit more more experience in the octagon uh it's just it it ends up paying dividends i think it went a decision pretty easily 
but uh, don't count out Royville's submission games. Uh, and if he gets them down on the ground, it, it's going to be a problem. But I just don't trust his striking. You know, uh, I don't know if he can take the the leg kicks, if he can take uh, the the full game. So uh, we'll find out. We'll find out real shortly. But uh, if you like uh, Royville at all, I would just bet him on submission. In the co-main event, yes, we're finally here, actually. For all those of you watching live, if you wouldn't mind, turn off my camera. I'm about to turn my camera back on. There we go. Sorry. We get this lag sometimes with my video, and occasionally I just have to turn it off and come back. I wasn't leaving you. I'm back. <laughs> Grown-ups come back to you. If you have kids and watch Daniel Tiger, there you go. <laughs> In the co-main event, Dominic Reyes is my 275 favorite first. Jan Janny from the block, Blockowitz plus 235. Yes, we love Jan Blockowitz here. He's made us a lot of money in the past. Absolutely. And yes, if you are seeing any amount of Twitter, I will post every single gif I could find from Jennifer Lopez for Janny on the block because that's what I like to call <laughs> Jan Blockowitz. And that will keep coming. But you know what? Hate to break it to you. That does not mean I'm picking Jan Blockowitz. Obviously, he's got that Polish power and everything else that he's talking about. But I think Don Maurice can take the power. A lot of Jan Blockowitz's wins have come against failed light heavyweight experiments from lifetime middleweights that in the latter half of their career have decided to shoot up and can't hang. Chris Weidman was on his way out. No, sorry. That was Dominic Reyes. Either way, I'm trying to mix him up. Sorry. Luke Rockhold, the slowest he has ever looked. Not throwing out punches, just trying to go for power and getting knocked out. Uh, I actually thought that um, Jacare beat Blockowitz in that terrible, terrible, horrifically boring five-round fight. Um, and the skill just still isn't there. I mean, Jan Blockowitz is still the guy that got finished by Thiago Santos. He's still the guy that got wrestle decision by Patrick Cummins. I mean, he has shortened up a lot of things. But he's still that guy, whereas Dominic Reyes has looked utterly phenomenal. And I know I've downplayed uh, Dominic Reyes a little bit in a few spots. I believe it was the uh, Ozdemir fight. Yeah, the Ozdemir fight. I actually thought Ozdemir won, but um, in, he, I was very impressed with him against John Jones. I'm one of the few. I actually did score that fight for John Jones. Sorry. Dominic Reyes. Um, I, know everyone, I know it's with the popular thing that Dominic Reyes won that fight, but I think a lot of that was, you know, how well he did against Jones. A little bias there on the decision-making. But either way, um, skill for skill, I think he's better here. Uh, he's longer. He's faster. He's more athletic. He's entering into his prime. I mean, Jan Blockwitz is like he's that aged fire that like there's this uh, – can't remember who posted it. At one point, they had this bell curve, two bell curves over each other, one of which was the gaining of uh, experience and one of which was prime and skill. And he's just at that point where like the, the prime and age-wise is starting to deter, but just that sheer experience is so high that he's going to be able to out-veteran so many people. I don't think that's going to happen here against Reyes, but obviously minus 275 is a huge, huge price tag for Dominic Reyes. And I just know if I find a way to bet Reyes that Jan Blockowitz is just going to throw that one shot in a fight that he's <laughs> losing and get a finish. But I'm going to pick Reyes. But you know what? For just sheer chaos purposes, I would be utterly just tickled pink if Jan Blockowitz gets a title and can walk around with it. So pick his Reyes, but hopeful for Yanni from Block there. So I'm going to throw that to Real Mike 
for the Reyes versus Jan Blockowitz co-main event? Oh, man. Well, this is going to be a treat for us here. I, I'm a big fan of Reyes. I, I like his length. Uh, he's real young. He's. I think he learned a ton in that uh, John Jones fight. I think he's got the the length and the reach to kind of keep Jan at bay and uh, just kind of put on a little clinic on him. I, I think that Reyes should win this fight. Um, but you, you can never count Jan on the block uh, out because, as you know, he, he count him out and he comes through. So, I think it's going to be a great fight. I'm actually a fan of both these ones. I don't like even having to pick it, but uh, I think that Reyes is going to win. Uh, this fight is, for me, one of the more important fights in recent years. And when you think think about the fight, I'm one. I am one of the people that scored it for Reyes. Um, it was a very close fight. I admit that you could have gone either way. I, I understand that. But when you think about John Jones leaving the division. This is sort of like in boxing in the 80s. When you think about when, like, Muhammad Ali is going away and then Larry Holmes comes in. Larry Holmes is a great fighter, but he never got to beat that prime Ali. And I, like, Larry Holmes never really got that respect in the boxing world. Like, maybe later on in time he did, but not when he was actually doing his thing. Reyes has a chance, because a lot of people do think that he beat John Jones, he has a chance to establish himself as the actual legit champion in this division, which is that's something that Jan Blakovich, that he can't do. I mean, I don't think Blakovich is going to win this fight, but if he does, that's a devastating blow to the division because you can make a case that Reyes is the legit champion. You're going to be really hard pressed mm-hmm. to find somebody to make the case that Blakovich is. And for me, like, just as a fan, I, I want that Reyes win just so I can say, like, yeah, that's the guy. And then you get, like, guys like Rakic or Santos or anybody else. Like, I, I don't want to mention his name again, but Johnny Walker. Like, anybody that's working their way up the, the ranks. Give those guys a chance to fight the guy that's going to be the real champion. You know, like, that's why I, I'm, I'm actually really pulling for Reyes in this fight. Not just because I'm going to bet on him in DraftKings, but, like, I really, as a fan, want him to win. And yeah, I think he, please, please, God, give uh, Johnny Walker to Reyes next. I would love <laughs> that. Hey, just give me just give, me, give me close odds too. I would love that's that just, one too. That's just mean. That's but that's, that's uncalled for. But now, just I uh, just get into the how. I just think he's a slicker striker. And one thing that we haven't even brought up on the show yet is the Abu Dhabi. They're using the bigger cage. I think that really favors Dominic Reyes. And I think when you get in there, he's gonna. Yeah, he's going to be much slicker. He's going to be much faster. He can keep him in range of kicks. And I just think for $9,000, especially on DraftKings, just the legacy and for my wallet, Dominic Reyes, let's go. Uh, Blakovich is 7,200. Uh, just not for me. I don't mm-hmm. think he's got much of a chance in this fight. So Dominic Reyes, save the division. Let Do it for the fans. Dominic let's Reyes, let's go. go. Let's go. Well, none of the eventual rematch with uh, John Jones, whether it be at light heavyweight or heavyweight down the line, will be definitely going if Reyes can keep it going. And a lot more competitive fights if he wins at the championship levels, which will be more entertaining as well. Uh, in the main event, well, technically, I mean, Israel Adesanya might go up to 2-5 at some point, so Reyes at Adesanya I'd be down for. Um, I guess that's if he gets past this fight. So I guess I showed my cards real fast. But <laughs> Israel Adesanya is minus... Uh, 170 versus Paula Costa plus 150. Um, literally just before this show, because I was thought I was misremembering it, I rewatched uh, Romero versus Costa just to make sure that was all up to date on me here. And there's a bunch of people out there that think Costa has somehow this phenomenal gas tank, and he's going to be there for five, and he's going to be throwing heat for five, and just be doing amazing for five. Don't see it happening, and everyone also is playing off on that he won that fight. Okay, I squared that fight for Romero. Granted, 
Yoel Romero homer here. So that's all I'm willing to say that. But the reason that fight was is so entertaining has nothing to do with this fight. Obviously, yes, Romero is a bit of a counter striker, but he's the same time counter striker and he's willing to mix in and he will go after you to do the counter. Whereas the reason the Romero and Adesanya fight was so awful is because they were both waiting for the other guy to engage. Adesanya is not like he wasn't going to risk jumping in and getting that crazy third round out of nowhere flying knee from Rio Romero to put him out. He was taking his time to point and win the fight. And he is a fantastic counter striker and he has great lateral movement. Costa is still a straightforward power striker that's going to come for you. And over the course of the five, Adesanya is just going to add up strikes and add up strikes and add up strikes and at some point in the latter rounds, I do think combination of being tired and just the sheer volume at some point cost is going to come hard enough into a shot that's going to put him out. Uh, personal opinion there. So I think Austin's going to win. I think he's going to get a finish in the later rounds. Could cost to get a finish early on when he lands something. I mean, he, he's not a one-shot guy, but like he puts enough volume on you in the first like one to three rounds that he usually puts you out of there. So there's a chance. So this is why I have no bet on this fight. It's a little steep for that chance to possibility, but in terms of a pick and a prediction, I'm going Adesanya fourth round TKO. And with that, I'm going to go over to Mikey Gills. Ah, thank God that time right. <laughs> for the main event, uh, Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Well, you guys know how I'm coming at this is just strictly from a DraftKings perspective, and mm-hmm. this fight just has points written all over it. I'm going to read a couple scores to you guys real quick. Um, this is Israel Adesanya scores 110 against Whitaker, 124.5 against Gastelum, and 126 against Brunson. He's got a couple of low scores in there against Romero and Silva. I don't think Costa's going to let him have that type of fight. On the other side, this is Costa's last five DraftKings points, 99, 117.5, 104.5, 91 and a half, and 111. Let's go. All right, so I'm picking Israel Adesanya to win the fight. I mean, for anything, you guys are going to cover all the whys and hows, and that's fine. I'm just going to go straight DraftKings right now. Uh, if you're doing a straight-up cash game, I would consider a stack here. Uh, for 7,700, Costa, you know, you're looking at, he's got, a lot, he's got a chance to land a lot of strikes as an underdog. If this thing goes into the later rounds, even if he gets finished in like the fourth, he could still land a whole lot. And we just talked about Nico Price earlier, scored 75 points, landing 150 significant strikes. If Costa can land anything close to that over the course of five rounds, ooh, dude, that's $7,700. Let's go. Now, if you're doing a tournament play, I don't suggest stacking. And that's like the stacking process of putting the same fighters from the same fight. Just do that against your friends. You're not going to win a tournament on that. But if you're doing tournament, uh, you might get – yeah, don't stack them. You're not going to get like a Zhang, uh, Jacek, or a DC Cormier too. But, if, man, for a tournament play, Israel Adesanya at – what is he going off at? $8,500. Israel Adesanya is going off at $8,500. That's a gift. Look at 110, 124, 126 points. All day he's in our lineup. Let's go. Yeah, man. I uh, Israel Adesanya is the the best striker to ever step foot in the octagon. I don't care what anybody says. The the guy's the most decorated, most skilled kickboxer. Uh, he's so ridiculous, man. He, he's he's literally like a movie character or something out of a comic book. Uh, the dude's super exciting. His his defense is more impressive than his offense, and I think that's where people. Uh, don't understand uh and that's why he's willing to fight the bull in this matchup he's done it many many times in his career uh you know 
uh, Costa's a uh, big, beautiful, looks like he's on steroids. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know, you know, seems like he doesn't get tested looks. or stuff. But yeah, <laughs> looks, uh, looks. I can't t- say he is, but uh, man, I've seen a lot of steroids in my life. But either way, dude's jacked, got a body on him. He's going to come with some mean power. But I just think that uh, Adesanya is way too skilled, man. He's just way too smart. Uh, I, I just don't see him giving any openings to uh, Costa. I also think that uh, Adesanya has another gear that he's never even shown us in the UFC. Um, I, I think that he, he's got way more finishing capabilities than he shows. Uh, a lot of times he likes to play games and uh, take his opponent five rounds or fully. or He, he does whatever he wants to do with them. I say he uh, does whatever he wants to do with Costa uh, with the fluke chance. Obviously, the Costa c- cleans his clock, but five-round fight, this is Adesanya's fight to win, uh, to cement his legacy even more. I think that he's the well, the greatest striker that I've seen uh, in the UFC. Well, I want to quick jump off that point and second something that uh, Mike just said, talking about he thinks Adesanya has another gear. I think, and we know that Adesanya has another gear, and Kelvin Gaston was able to bring that out by going at him, and I think that Costa can bring that out of him by going at him. And once you bring that out of Izzy, I think you can get a virtuoso performance. Like, I, I really think this could just be utterly... Go it could be beautiful. So, okay, so as a review, the bet, bets but bet for this one is... Uh, Zubaira Tukagov at minus 120 to win two units. So that's 2.4 units on the minus 120 to win you guys two. And now, Mike Gills, can you give us our tentative yeah. DraftKings? Mm-hmm. Obviously, yes, keep keep track of everything. And one thing I very much appreciate that Mike Gills did this last time out, and he'll probably do that going forward, is not only does he give you guys what our lineup is, he gives you justifications for it so you could learn as well as you're listening in and starting to follow his rubric of uh, DraftKings. So, Mikey Gills, what you got for us? Yeah, just uh, wanted to clarify one thing that I just went over. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned something about stacking a card. If you're not, if, if you're, if you've never played before and you wanted to, the idea of a stack is having the winner, uh, having both opponents in your same six fight slate. I only recommend that like, very rarely and only if you're playing in smaller games against your friends. Uh, you can have a high floor with Acosta. Like, let's, let's say Acosta loses, right? You can have a high floor with him where he might score you like 50, 60 points in a war. But mm-hmm. if you go into those big, huge tournaments where you're trying to win a lot of money, you're pretty much guaranteeing, because you need six winners to win those tournaments, you're guaranteeing that you're not going to win that tournament. So if you're a, a lower game stack tournament, don't stack anything like that. But getting right into our game right now, uh, we're going to start off with Israel Adesanya at $8,500. Just like I said, I think it's basically the, the best bargain on the whole card. I think this fight's going to be a war, and he's going to win. He's going to score huge on DraftKings in this fight. Then we're going to go to, with Juan Espino. $9,100. Even with this layoff, I trust him to get the submission against Jeff Hughes. I feel like Jeff Hughes is overmatched, and he's being brought in there just to lose. From there, we're going Dominic Reyes, $9,000. He's got five rounds to score points or get a finish. And I think in either one of those scenarios, he's going to pay off for us great. Then you got uh, your guy, Takagoff. I'm still not sure how to pronounce that. Takagoff? How do you guys go with that? I go Takagoff, or I like the first name because... Zubaira? Yeah, because it's like a Lyra, but like... Yeah. All right, so we'll just go with that. Zubaira, $8,200. This pick is just going for... Uh, this is our, our lowest price guy that I'm just picking as a straight-up winner. Um, I'm hoping that he can go for some kind of finish, but even if it's a decision, he ends up getting us 80, 85 points. At $8,200, I'll take that, or, and I'm hoping for a lot better than that. Uh, from there, we're going with William Knight, our first underdog on the card. 
hard to say no to that kind of power, especially against a guy who leaves himself open for counters as much as uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Somebody help, help me out here. Uh, Kamer, Kamer, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, seventy six hundred dollars type of power that this guy brings in. His finishing rate, it's insane. From there, we're going with Brandon Royval, seventy three hundred dollars, our biggest underdog on the card. He was the the best of all the lowest price guys that I think has a realistic path to victory. Um, I think he has a chance to get, uh, what's his name, to the ground and lock in a submission. And for $7,300, I think he's good to go. But if you wanted another uh, guy that we were just talking about, the reason that this card isn't official yet is I think Ludova Klein is going to be I, I just he's watching his tape. If he comes in at anything close to a good price, I'm going to find a way to put him onto this card somehow. So look out for Klein. Keep following us at MMA for Money Show. I'm at, at, at Mikey Gills with a Z. Um, keep following me. We'll update this lineup throughout the week as soon as his price goes out. But once again, just going over the card, Israel Adesanya, Juan Espino, Dominic Reyes, Zubayat Sakurgov, uh, William Knight and Brandon Royville. That leaves you with $300 left to play. If you don't like one of those cards and you want to get somebody else, you have $300 extra to play it. But I think it's a good card regardless. Now, that was the show. You got the bets. You got the DraftKings. Real Mike, do you have anything to say to the people before we bid adieu? Uh, we just can't thank you guys enough for uh, following, liking, uh, tweeting, all the interactions that you guys do. Sorry for the little technical difficulties that we had today. Uh, it just sometimes it just does not listen. So thank you for bearing through with us in the little late start time, and uh, let's roll. Mikey Gills, our resident water champ. You got anything to say to the people? I'm out right now. I got nothing. My mouth's going to dry up. <laughs> Ravens versus Chiefs Monday night. Let's go. <laughs> There you go. Well, we will be back next week to preview UFC Fight Night, Home versus Aldana. Yes, that is a blockbuster. Sorry, that was mean. Don't forget <laughs> to subscribe to us on your platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Yeah, Spotify. We're like we're like Joe Rogan, kind of, but not really, but but no. Just Google Podcasts, <laughs> Overcast, Podcast, RSS Feed. If you're watching live on YouTube, we're also on YouTube. Subscribe to the show. Please comment, share. And also let us know, whether it be DMs or whatever, to any one of us three on something you liked about the show, something you want added to the show. We always talk about it leading into the show to try to make it better for you guys. Always willing to change for you guys. Willing to change for you. Does your Will your spouse do that? Will your significant other do that? We'll change for you. <laughs> A little far. Like, comment, and share to spread the word. And with that, let's roll.